0: Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast, brought to you by Phantom Sports. I am here, guys. We are hopping back on the NFL train uh, with our tour around the NFL divisions, taking a look at each team's offseason, free agency, draft, coaching changes, and trying to assess what these teams have done, if they've made themselves better or or worse, heading into next year. This week, we are looking at the NFC East. I am joined by the, the young whippersnapper up-and-comer of Phantom Sports, Robertson Vire. He oh is our, uh, our, our writer about the Washington Commanders, also just site expert for
1: the NFC East. Robertson, what's going on, man? How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Young whippersnapper. I haven't been called that in a little while, in a minute. I haven't <laughs> been called that, but uh, I appreciate that. Young up-and-comer. Quite a compliment, <laughs> day, so appreciate that, Simon. I'm doing great tonight. We're talking about the NFC East, and What better topic to talk about as a commander? For
0: yeah, I'm sure you're just thrilled to be here. I actually had to drag Robertson on to come talk about Washington and, and the other teams he has to face. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, let's, before we even dive in, see, this is why I said don't worry about the timestamps on these things because we'll, we'll yeah. just do whatever. Where, where do you think this division is in terms of, it's placing the league and also just kind of like the hierarchy within it. Cause right now it all just seems like a jumbled mess even within itself. Right. Cause this year everyone had pegged Washington as they were, they had come, been on the come up from the year before everyone was ready for Dallas to like take a major step back. And we thought New York was going to be kind of feisty the way they ended the 2020 season. So it seemed like within the division, we had no idea what was going on. And for, for me being, you know, old and whatnot, as compared to you, um, <laughs> this, this division was really strong one through four, my, you know, growing up, my childhood, my teenage years. And now it's just kind of like it, they're just a throwaway division. Where are you on
1: this division just as a whole? So there's going to be a sort of theme for tonight. I don't know if you've picked up on this Simon as analyzing the division, but this is a division in which there could be potentially three teams going into the playoffs, or there could be like one nine team going into the playoffs. There is such a range at which like there is so much potential for this division, but there's also so much downfall. Like this is, this is, this is the most interesting division in the NFL in terms of like what is actually going to happen. And I know there's the AFC West, but like there's so much boom bust potential with every single one of these teams that I, I don't think I've seen in quite some time because there's so much uncertain, uncertainty with every team and there's more question marks and answers with every single team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for all the and I say this positively, but all the hoopla of the AFC West. I think it's still going to end up be, being pretty chalk. I don't think we're going to be that surprised. I think all four teams are going to be good. Uh, but I still think, I, at least for me, and maybe I'm a little naive, I feel like I know what's going to happen. It's still going to be Chiefs. I think the Chargers are going to take that next step and, and overtake the Raiders from last year. I mean, they were so close to, to being the second best team in that division. Then it's the Raiders, then it's the Broncos. And I think for, for everything that happened Oof. in that division, I think Oof. that's going to be pretty chalk um obviously you don't think that but we're gonna come we'll oh. come back to the afc West <laughs> another day another time take a look at my uh division it was a preview at that time for the offseason with ben parker on the afc west we did it uh, just a couple weeks into the uh newly year after free agency started but take a look at that um all that said compared to this division yeah i mean you could tell me right now that You know, you come from the future and tell me any of these teams ended up winning the division, even even the Giants. I'm not going to lie. And I wouldn't be that surprised now, Mm -hmm. not because I think the Giants could be a 12 win team or because I think there's a world where the Cowboys, the Eagles and, and, you know, the commanders could win a combined six or seven games. And and the Giants are just kind of left there meeting, you know, (laughs) mediocre at seven or eight wins or something like that. But still, I wouldn't be so shocked. And I think that's going to be. Kind of the really interesting thing and we say all this and you know what this could end up just looking like it has every single year with dallas being a, a double digit win team the e and then the eagles and the commanders kind of falling behind right around average 500 and, and then the giants could be you know crappy again um that also would not surprise me so we'll just kind of see what happens but with that let's dive in let's start with those dallas cowboys and, and kind of assess what you know suss out what they did this off season. First, I want to just briefly start with where we left off with them in 2021. Uh, So the Dallas Cowboys went 12-5. and They won the division. They had a tough middle part of the season. That was kind of around the DAC injury and just not playing that well. Um, But they, you know, came back with a vengeance kind of towards the end of the year, won the division, like I said, had that embarrassing wild card round loss, um, which really just kind of had everybody questioning everything they were doing, right? So the DAC contract, Mike McCarthy being there, you know, we, we were touting their coordinators at, as future genius head coaches or a reborn again, genius head coach. And then we were wondering about them after that loss. And now I feel like time has passed and, and we've gotten some distance and everyone's just kind of settled back into like not being too worried yet, you know, cracking their jokes and we'll just see what happens in the season. But where are you just kind of quickly – How did you feel the Cowboys season was last year? Did they kind of meet the expectations? Did did they do what we expect? Or do you think they kind of were a little disappointing?
1: Um, See, I think they were just overrated, and that's not me being a Washington fan, you know, home Homer or whatever. Um, It's just it's always the case with the Cowboys. It always is. Um, There's nothing that has changed. know over the ever since Dak got there nothing's changed they they always show promise in the season there's always a stretch of five or six games where you know the Cowboys the fans really get on the Super Bowl train where you know oh this is our year like even more so than before the season like oh we're in season you know we can do this and it was no different last year they had a a great start to the season like you said the middle season was a little questionable but I just think the defense above everything last year was like the biggest uh fake out you know i'm not saying that there's there's not impressive i'm not saying they're not they're going to be absolute trash it's just i feel like everyone hyped up that defense to be something that it really wasn't and you know everyone expected that to be kind of a crutch that dak leaned on and it just you know it didn't it it was it didn't happen especially when we got to the playoffs and i understand they contained jimmy g but at the same time it's 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 jimmy g you know you have to temper like expectations there um as far as you know like this upcoming season you know i there's definitely like i said previously there's more questions than answers with this team at least in my opinion yeah definitely i mean here you're, you're talking a little bit about that
0: defense right Lee leading 26 interceptions last year uh we saw this with the dolphins a couple years ago right where they just had an inordinate amount of interceptions uh, a little bit of that is always luck. It, it is based in skill and good scheme and everything, but to really lead the league and, and be that dominant and get, you know, one to two interceptions every single game takes a little bit of luck. So you're, we're expecting there to be a little bit of regression coming into this season when it comes to that. So now that means that offense is actually going to have to be what we're waiting for it to become. And that'll be a little bit harder this year that because of some of these changes that have happened with the roster. So let's dive into that when it came to free agency here, the, the outs and the ins uh, of who left and who joined this roster. Um, so gone are wide receivers Amari Cooper and Cedric Olson Jr., safety slash linebacker Keanu Neal, uh, offensive guard Connor Williams, offensive tackle Lyle Collins, defensive back Demonte Casey, edge rusher Randy Gregory, all gone. That's a lot of big names. That's a lot of guys that were on the field a lot for the Cowboys. Um, now, they did bring in Dante Fowler Jr. from Atlanta. They brought in uh, James Washington from Pittsburgh, the wide receiver. So, so they replenished in some areas, and we'll talk about the draft in a different, and a little bit here. But just in terms of these free agency moves, how do you think, from a big picture standpoint, it's going to affect this team with who they lost versus who they brought in?
1: um in terms of who they lost um you know comparing who they brought in i i just don't feel like it was enough to offset i really don't and like you said we'll get into the draft later but even then i don't think that was enough either um we, and we didn't even mention the amari cooper trade so like that was even oh wait no i guess we did um so didn't mention the trade you're right didn't talk about <laughs> the
0: trade yet we'll and we'll get there but feel free to throw to throw that into your answer as well
1: Right, so the the Amari Cooper trade is the obviously the biggest thing. Um, that was kind of Dax like go to guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all seen the numbers, you know, as far as you know where where what Dax' performance is when he's on the field versus when he's off the field or when he misses games completely. It's a completely different guy playing quarterback. Um, and James Washington is a nice receiver, but he had what twenty some catches last year, under three hundred yards, two touchdowns. That's nothing really spectacular, and that's not anything to replace necessarily as far as Amari Cooper's production goes. Um, now, are we are they anticipating a CD Lamb, you know, jump to finally become a number one receiver? I think they're banking on that. Is it a wise decision? You know, we'll see. I think he has all the tools and ability to do so, but until he proves otherwise, then no. He just he just disappeared too many times last season, in my opinion. Um, so and I also think the Lyle Collins um loss isn't being talked about enough. And I'm not saying, again, that the alternatives are bad. They're just not as good. And Dak can stand back there sometimes, you know, especially if he's having an off game. He just stand back there, pats the ball. And, you know, maybe the maybe he's having you know, still some trouble with the injury or not. He's maybe maybe not as mobile. You know, last year definitely was a decrease in that, but they are also trying to protect him. Maybe he's trying to protect himself for the future to have a long career. I just think that, you know, you have to have solid bookends, especially with a quarterback who is questioning, you know, their mobility and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you're, you take a good offensive line and you lose two pieces of it, Especially when, you know, they weren't the, obviously they're not the best guys on the line, but it's not like we're talking about the fifth guy. I mean, I think that's Beatish as the center. So you're talking about that your third and fourth best offensive lineman, but more importantly, two fifths of a good offensive line that leaving the building is tough. And even though, you know, Terrence Steele started a lot of games last year and they like him and that's why they did let Collins go. Um, We'll talk about the draft, but they made a first round investment in the line in the draft. So I think they, for losing pieces on the offensive line, they have done the right things and put the right pieces in place to make up for it. But yeah, I mean, it's still a question mark, especially when a lot of your offense and a lot of what Dak does is predicated on knowing his offensive line is going to hold up where he's, I mean, he's the master at like what the the line calls and the projections and mixing things up at the line of scrimmage. You need good offensive linemen, smart guys who have played together to accomplish that. So, so making these changes when the offense hasn't ever quite gotten to the level that we expected to on paper is definitely going to be tough. Um, I think you were completely right with, with the Amari Cooper situation. I think they're hoping everybody takes a little bit of a step up, right? So they're they're hoping CeeDee Lamb becomes that number one. They're hoping Michael Gallup comes back healthy and is a number two. And then you slot in James Washington as your number three. And and you're hoping you have a good wide receiver trio. But again, when you're talking about haven't quite met the expectations year after year, and now you're just taking a little bit of a step backwards, it it might not be a huge step. I mean, like you said, they're bringing other pieces in, they're doing things. It just doesn't seem like it's quite as good. So unless Dak is ready to be top three, top five kind of quarterback and, and make that kind of leap and be that kind of player and he, could we'll see but unless he's doing that they haven't done quite enough on paper on their roster right now to go from hey a nice double digit win team maybe win the wild card round to true Super Bowl contender And, and just rolling all the way back to what you said at the very beginning yeah I mean they had a good season right and I think yeah maybe overrated not in the sense that people thought they were good but they're bad no they're good they're just not Super they're not, you know, a Super Bowl contending team at this moment. Um, let's look at the draft for them a little bit here. Uh so what they did in the draft, I gave them a B in my uh draft grades, which you can go find on fansportsindustries.com. Um, I like their first three picks. Uh I, I also like in the fifth round they got Damone Clark, the linebacker out of LSU. He's a guy that he's gonna miss probably his entire rookie season but they got him in the fifth round. He's a second round talent. He, he has a spinal injury. So we'll see where that kind of puts him in terms of his career projection, but the, the type of player he is, I'll tell you, if it's him and Micah Parsons and they're Roman the, the middle of the field like that, that's going to be a scary duo in the future, but, but just focusing on, let's talk about these top three guys. They, like I said, they went offensive line in the first round with Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith's a good player most and I had him as a day two projection Uh, because he's projected to go from tackle to guard at the NFL level. So that's already going to be a change. He also drew a lot of penalties in in college. So you just wonder how that's going to translate to the NFL. Dallas, I believe, was already one of the more penalized teams in the NFL last year, especially on the offensive line. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I have him right now on paper slotting in as the guard, uh, taking over for Connor Williams with Terrence Steele, taking over for Lyle Collins. But we'll see. That's a drop-off. And like we mentioned, going from a good offensive line and losing two of those five pieces, especially if one of those drop-offs is to a rookie, that's always going to be an adjustment. So we'll see what happens there. Sam Williams, the edge out of Miss, I believe. Good player, Uh, some off-the-field issues. Uh, But in terms of being on the field, we think he's going to be a productive player, strong against the run, developed into a pretty good pass rusher in his last year of college. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, we, I talked about Damone Clark with, with Michael Parsons, but Sam Williams should be helpful there on the edge, especially when you're talking about losing a guy like Randy Gregory, um, between Williams and then Dante Fowler Jr. You're hoping you kind of made up for that loss. And then at wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert, a guy from Southern Alabama who, you know, was at one point in a conversation as, Hey, could he sneak into the first round with how many teams wanted a receiver? So he's a guy that you add him to that wide receiver room. You slot him in at wide receiver four right now. Can he overtake a James Washington? Could he have the upside to be a, a top one or two receiver on your team? So for me, I like their moves. None of the players were necessarily the, this is the game changer guy at this position, right? And, and obviously they stood pat. They didn't do any, you know, they were, were picking in the, the later third of each of the rounds. So you're not getting the best guy but I liked what they did, and I liked the, the players they went after, their patience, their, their mentality when it came to the draft. What did you think of their draft as a whole, how they addressed their, their team needs, and do you expect these rookies to kind of help them out, you know, starting from day one?
1: Um, I kind of agree with your grade, and it's not necessarily anything to do with the quality of players they got. It's mainly just the holes that they filled with them mm-hmm. and, or what they can potentially fill. Like you said, the offensive line, you know, as we've talked about, um, it's been in kind of a, a retooling mode uh, with the loss of Connor Williams and Lyle Collins. So Tyler Smith, you know, he, pro- he projects more as a guard. He can play tackle, but he projects definitely projects more inside as a guard. Um, but you have to like the versatility there, the possibility they could kick out in case, you know, the line gets ravaged by injuries, which has happened in the past with Dallas recently. Um, as far as Sam Williams, that's a total Cowboy pick. You know, no disrespect to Sam Williams. I'm just saying, you know, off-field issues, Cowboys, second round. Yep. It fits the bill. Um, but his upside, I think he has high upside, um, you know, and, which is something that I think this uh, this defensive line needs for um, for Dallas. Um, and then Jalen Tolbert, I liked him. I just think he's Michael Gallup 2.0, which, you know, if you're getting a second Michael Gallup or, you know, it's not bad, but again, it goes to the whole thing earlier. That's not replacing Amari Cooper, you know, and I'm not saying he can't become a receiver like Amari Cooper. I'm just saying it's just, to me, they're trying to replace one guy with a bunch of other guys. And history tells us that doesn't necessarily always work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For for a team like Dallas, who is the team you expect to, Go make the big splashy play. Go get the big free agent. Go make a big trade out of nowhere. To just kind of nickel and dime their way through this off season, it feels very different, and and I think is feeling us wanting more. Um, so it's just a different feeling. But I think overall, I'd say all their moves have been smart and good. Just yeah, I mean, if we're grading everything on did this move make you a Super Bowl contender, we're gonna have a lot of disappointment, and and that's I think where we're at with them. But Overall, sure. Good offseason. You guys have done well. You've been smart. Uh, obviously, trading Amari Cooper for, you know, a fifth and a sixth round swap isn't great, but you're going to cut him anyway. So um, overall, they've made nice moves, nice additions. And we just have to kind of see what these new guys bring from day one. Uh, and if it's enough to make up for that turnover regression that we're expecting on the defensive end. Um Overall, just what are your expectations from them this season, whether it's, you know, their record, their place within the division, what they'll do, you know,
1: maybe postseason. What do you think? Well, their expectations have to be playoffs, bare Mm minimum. I mean, there can't be any regression. It has to be playoffs. And then, you know, they got to the first round last year. you got to win a game once you get there. I mean, and if they don't, then, you know, what are they doing? You have to start asking questions. Is Mike McCarthy going to be there? You know, are they having buyer's remorse with Dak? You know, you have to start asking these questions if they don't get to the playoffs and then start winning when they get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see a very typical Cowboy season. Double-digit wins. They'll have nice stretches through the regular season, but unless something really impressive happens offensively, it's going to be, you know, at best a divisional round exit uh, for them this time around. All right, moving on now. Let, let's talk about the New York Giants. Really interested to hear what you have to say about them. Obviously, just a terrible, terrible season last year. But I really like what they've done so far this off season. So where did we leave off in 2021? Uh, badly. We left them off really bad. Uh, they were four and thirteen really embarrassing. I mean, they had the worst offense in football and considering all the money they have and investment they have in their wide receivers. And then obviously a first round QB, that's super depressing. Um, the offense was, was quarterback sneaking, uh, for two plays from, you know, inside their five yard line, just so they could get a good punt off against Washington against what there's, there's the feather in your cap for the yeah, season. Way yeah. to go. Um, sure was. <laughs> so just really, Really gross and embarrassing. I don't I don't I don't expect you have much to add about that, but is there anything you want to say about their year last year other than their worst moment came against Washington?
1: Which by the way was glorious. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just so it was so Joe Judgy that it was just amazing. Be um, honest, as
0: a Washington fan, were you a little worried he was gonna like sneak a little bit and then just oh, rattle yeah. off a twenty yard run? The first time when they did it,
1: <laughs> when they did it the second time i was like there's uh... no way they just did that and then they did it a third time and i'm like oh gosh what happened it was the one of the wildest things the wildest uh-huh. stupid things i've ever seen on a football field and i've as a Washington fan i've seen some stupid stuff right so right. Uh, right. but as far as the season goes you know it was just an awful disappointment especially with the offense my god especially with the offense You know, it was hard to be scared last year because of Daniel Jones. But, like, going into the season, they had all these weapons. It's like, how could he not succeed? At least a little bit. And it just didn't happen. So. Yeah, you you look at
0: the receivers that they they had on this group. And, by the way, I mean, they're they're leading receivers on this season. Do you want to guess their top three
1: players in terms of literal receptions last year? i I I saw this earlier, like a couple weeks ago. I know one is like a running back. Uh I don't know if it's Saquon or not, but I think one's a running back. Uh Two was probably Kyle Rudolph because Evan Ingram was kind of like weird last year. I'm going to say two was Kyle Rudolph. And then three, actually three is probably Evan Ingram. So I'm going to go Rudolph, Barkley, (laughs) and Evan Ingram you're really close it's ingram barkley and Devontae booker the,
0: the oh backup yeah okay okay uh yeah. and then Kadarius tony and who might not be really? on the team this year um, really they're and, gonna
1: they're gonna cut their number one wide receiver yeah exactly <laughs> wide receiver one uh and then kenny
0: galladay and then sterling Shepard, and then darius Litton, and then you can do the receivers from there. so super depressing stuff that's where we're gonna leave off talking about last year's giants Let's talk about this year's Giants because, I, like I said, I actually liked what they did. So, I mean, obviously they, they start with um, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman are gone. Brian Dayball and Joe Shane are in. And you can really just tell that this team was operating on a different level this season. Obviously they, they lost some key free agents, but that was more as a result of what Giants of the past had done. They just couldn't afford to keep good players. Um, like James Bradbury was completely a cap casualty and not of their own volition so that's you know upsetting especially when he goes to a division rival but you know it it happens and and, but you can see the moves that they've made so gone are you know tight ends Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram who we just talked about (laughs) uh Kyle Rudolph was a little low on that list but still he was on it which is which is not good um offensive linemen I mean they're basically their entire offensive line is revamped so Nate Solder, Billy Price, Matt Scar, and Will Hernandez are gone um Edge rusher Lorenzo Carter is gone. He played over half the snaps last year. Defensive backs James Bradbury and Logan Ryan are gone. Defensive lineman Austin Johnson, who also played about half the snaps last year, gone. In are Max Garcia from Arizona. Mark Lewinsky from Indianapolis. John Feliciano from Buffalo. So three uh, steady offensive linemen there, especially Lewinsky. Uh, Quarterback Tyrod Taylor is coming in to be their backup, which means he'll be starting by week five. Safety mm-hmm. Henry Black from Green Bay is coming in. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Edge Jahad Ward. Uh, so offensive line is the big thing from that list, right? They, they've made huge improvements there. I think the Will Hernandez to uh, Max Garcia drop-off is going to be there. But but Glowinski and Feliciano are, are going to be huge for this team. I really like that. Um with that complete overall obviously there's still some questions kind of left on the defense and we'll see what Jones and those skill players can do this year what are your thoughts just on how their free agency went for the Giants
1: um I think they did a good job especially with the offensive line uh, we obviously won't know how it pans out until the season starts but and you know when you revamp a group like at the offensive line, it takes a little time for them to Mm -hmm. gel and mesh together, you know, depending on how, you know, if they're trying different lineups or whatnot, see what works out best. Um, You know, it can take some time, but, you know, they should be ready to go You know, have decent synergy by time the season starts. So I'm not, I wouldn't be as worried, but it's always worrisome when you have a whole new group of offensive line behind or in front of a quarterback that, you know, we know he he fumbles a lot. <laughs> Shouldn't yeah. be called Danny Dimes. Honestly, it needs to be a fumble, like you know. Danny Dimes. Insult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, but you know, I like what they did. Um, it's just nothing nothing pops out. It's kinda like the how the Cowboys were just nothing pops out, nothing's like, you know, it's there's no home runs there necessarily. I mean there could be, it just it's not obvious, you know, looking, looking at all on, on paper, but you know, I like the Ricky Seals Jones pickup just cause he was on Washington last year. And I thought they actually should have went to him more. I feel like he kind of like resurrected things a little bit last year. Cause it felt like every time he touched the ball, something good happened. Um, you know, the defensive losses you touched on Bradbury. I also think Logan Ryan is, uh, is a big loss at the very least, at least in the locker room, you know, he's, he's a, he's a leader. Um, And he is, you know, a guy that theoretically you can rely on to, you know, at least be steady. So I feel like those two losses are going to be felt a little bit. Yeah,
0: I mean, for for all the attention the offense got last year, the defense certainly had its struggles. But hopefully they're going to resurrect that a little bit thanks to what they did in the draft. With that, yeah, I mean, the, the names are big. One last thought on the free agency. The, the names are big and it's tough, but again, you see you see a direction, right? You see it. it's, okay, first thing, nothing else matters, right? Even as much as I want to say that, you know, defense wins championships, you know, as I have my terrible towel above my head, but <laughs> it, if they want to give, and this was something Joe Shane said when he was hired, this franchise hasn't given Daniel Jones a real test because of changing the head coaches, changing offensive coordinators, a bad offensive line, skill guys being hurt. All everything has gone wrong. This is the last chance for for Jones and, and the Giants to give Jones the opportunity to say, "No, I can be a starter in the NFL." So they said our priority is going to be this offensive line. And and yeah, it's it's tough when you're completely changing this group. I mean, you're going to have four new starters. But it's also the shakeup that was necessary based on the way it looked last year and, and we'll see who ends up being in each of the spots I think we have a decent idea we're going to talk about uh, this group coming up here that could include two rookies that are, could be starters uh, because again I don't think Max Garcia is a guy you necessarily want starting but um, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see we'll see what happens I mean Feliciano and Kowinsky right there in the middle and, and then we'll kick it off here into the draft where they obviously got Evan Neal that's going to be huge so what did they do in the draft? I loved their draft. I could not believe it. They were so smart. They were so savvy. I really like the positions they went for because, again, you kind of just need everything if you're the Giants, right? But even when we got into, like, the second and third round and quarterbacks were falling, they they didn't take the bait. They they didn't jump on it and, and rush or, or reach for anybody and say, we're taking the quarterback. Nope. We're going to give Daniel Jones every opportunity to – prove himself as not the right guy which is more likely to happen than not but they're at least going to give him every opportunity to prove that which is why they got tyrod taylor but they got pass rushers they got offensive linemen they they got a Kadarius tony replacement because i guess that's happening um so they did everything they needed to do in the draft my favorite part of what they did was the as the draft is going on Kayvon thibodeau starts falling right and that's that's not a big surprise we we all kind of saw what was happening uh, as we got into as we got closer to the draft throughout the draft process where this was a guy that was number one on everyone's board for two years and he was slowly tumbling down as this year uh, went along as we got closer um, so we get to the number five pick we're pretty sure the Giants want to take an offensive lineman and a defensive player so Sauce Gardner was in there uh, Ikea Quanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, you know, all those guys. Derek Stingley, those were the names that were kind of linked to New York. Gardner goes off the board. Stingley goes off the board. We get to five. We get to the Giants. All of the offensive tackles are still there. Evan Neal is there. Charles Cross. Ikea Aquanu is there. The Giants, and, and you could see it in real time, and, and it's a little thing, but I was just still so impressed because it's the Giants. You don't expect it. They said we're happy with any of these tackles or we're happy with any two of these tackles. So we're going to skip tackle now, even though we could get the best tackle in arguably Ikiakuanu, but they said, we don't want to lose our chance at Kayvon Thibodeau, a guy who was regarded as the top player in this draft for years. We need as much help on the defense and as we can get, which means go get a pass rusher because that's the number one way to to help, whether it's, your pass rush your linebackers your run defense or your defensive backs right and coverage go hand in hand if you want to make your cornerbacks look better without getting a better corner get a good pass rusher um so that's what they did with Thibodeau and then yeah Ikea Kwanu went six to the Panthers but okay fine no skin off my nose we'll take Evan Neal he's going to be a day one starting right tackle for them and, and a guy that can play all over the line so as these years go and they see if Feliciano works out or Garcia or, you know, this later pick that we'll talk about, Joshua Zudu, they know they can move Neil if they have to. If they have to put him at guard because they have another good tackle and they need a guard, that's Neil. He can play, you know, four positions if you need him to. Um, so I really liked how they worked that first round, those first seven – or their first two picks in the first seven picks of the draft. Um, quickly, as we kind of mentioned – Wondell Robinson uh, is going to be a Swiss Army Knife guy, a guy that can, you know, catch out of the backfield, line out wide, get handoffs. Um, seemingly just going to be Kadarius Toney from last year because I guess the new regime doesn't like Kadarius Toney that much. So we'll see if he ends up getting traded. Uh, Joshua Zudu, who I mentioned, they took from North Carolina, a three-year starter there at left guard which is, you know, uh, the hole that they have kind of open still, you know, between him and I think probably Garcia. Um, so they have a young, experienced guy there that could compete for that spot. And then Cordell Flott, cornerback. Again, they didn't draft one early. They, didn't, they lost defensive backs in free agency. They didn't really bring a big name in. So add a little depth uh, with, with a day two pick there and, and hope that the improved pass rush kind of helps that player out. How did you feel that that was a long intro to their draft? And I just I just loved their draft so no. much. I was so impressed. Um, how did you feel about their draft, especially those those two moves at the top we talked about?
1: Well, I'll take your your analysis of at least the Evan Neal pick a step further. I thought he was the best check draft. I did. I was in the Evan Neal camp. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like the Alabama pedigree with especially offensive linemen. I just Ooh. there's just something about it. And he might not end up being the best one, but I just I've always been a little partial to some of these Alabama players, especially along the uh, in the trenches. They just there's just something about it. Um, the Kayvon Tobo pick, I'm not high on. Um, and he might be the most talented guy in the draft. He very well might be. But I'm a big character guy and there are very much big questions about, you know, his will to play football, you know, how dedicated is he. You know, we all saw the reports, that's why he started sliding. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I don't know, and I'm not trying to question the new regime because I really like Brian Dable, but you know, if Daniel, this is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones, and if they start struggling, and the new regime isn't working out as everybody thinks they're going to or are hoping that they're going to, could we see fall-off from Tittabo? Is he going to buy in as much if they're one and seven versus if they're five and one, five and two? or you know 5 and 3 whatever you know yeah. is he is he going to stay bought in no matter what which is what right. you want from your guys hmm. and you have to question that with these reports and when you're taking fifth overall you borderline expect that so i, I, I hate to you know compare this but it was the same thing with Wayne Haskins how bought in was he? how dedicated dedicated to the craft was he the talent was undeniable but if you don't put in the work you're not going to you're not going to see the benefits of, you know, playing in this league for very long. And look, he, his, the talent again is undeniable. I really like the way he plays, but you have to question the, 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 the character stuff. You have to, especially when you're, you're being taken that high. And obviously they did their homework. At least I'm hoping they did. So yeah, again, it could turn out to be a great pick for it. It scares the crap out of me. If it does, you know, as a Washington fan, um, but, you know, it. I don't feel like New York is the place to get. It.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And maybe that with your analysis on Evan Neal as well, which, you know, I'd say it was probably what, like 60, 40, 65, 35, icky to Neal right there. Mm-hmm. Neal was, I mean, they were also another thing with this draft for them. Neil and Thibodeau at one point were one and two on on boards for this draft. So they got uh, who two guys who just last year were the top two guys in this draft at five and seven. So that's a huge deal. And to your point about Mm -hmm. Neil, when it comes to that Alabama pedigree, maybe you can take a little more of a risk on Thibodeau, a guy who has all this talent, but some are questioning his off field interests and dedication to football because you're pairing that with, Hey, this guy was an Alabama offensive lineman and, and, did it at the highest level whereas Iki Iquanu shows all the talent but did it at NC State and you know maybe has some questions if he should play guard instead of tackle again i i had him 1 2 Iki and and Evan could easily have him flipped you can easily talk me into Evan Neal and why he's better especially when you're talking about he's more likely to succeed at tackle whereas Iki Isn't 50-50, I think he'll be great at tackle, but you could easily see him being guard, being a guard instead. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, maybe you're running a little more of a risk in Thibodeau because you're getting a guy like Evan Neal from Alabama from that program with that pedigree. I think that makes a lot of sense. I will also say, um, I don't know how I almost went a draft podcast without this. Shout out to the Giants for getting my guy, Darian Beavers, my favorite guy (laughs) in the entire draft. They got him in the fifth round. I was I would have spent the Steelers' second-round pick on that guy. And honestly, if they had used the first-round pick on him, I would have said, that's insane. I That's not very smart. But also, I don't care because I just love that guy. <laughs> a 6'4", 250-pound linebacker who can cover because he was a safety two years ago and can rush off the edge and is an off-ball linebacker and can stop the run. I mean, my God, I so shout out to Giants for getting dairy and beavers. That's, that's a real move there. Um, so you mentioned kind of where this regime is starting off versus, you know, kind of where the previous one ended. And, and this kind of rolls into just kind of our final segment on this team, Or but big picture, what are your expectations for what Dayball and Shane can bring to this team? And then you can kind of just like turn that into your expectations for this season.
1: Um, it, I really like Brian Dayball. Um, You know, we don't, he's obviously this is his first time you know, being a head coach. So we don't really know. We've seen great co- great coordinators flame out as head coaches. Um, You know, Recency bias tells you it's not going to be any different with the Giants, but I feel like Dable's a little bit different just because, you know, he found such great success um, in Buffalo. If they get their quarterback, then the East is going to be on watch. Whether that's Daniel Jones, Tyra Taylor, who, whoever else, it could be a draft pick next year. I, I think the, you know, the East should be on watch if they get their quarterback, just because I think this coaching staff has the ability to do great things. I really do. And they already have the weapons around. They already have like a good base set, um, to where they could just insert the quarterback that they want and start rolling. I, I think they have this team has the ability to do that. It's just is Daniel Jones it? That that's really what this season boils down to. I don't really even think it matters win loss. They could lose. They could lose thirteen games again if Jones is out there. You know. I don't even know how it's possible you know, if he throws 40 touchdowns, five interceptions, and they found their guy. I don't even know how it's possible to start to get in that scenario. But you know what I mean? If they find their guy, if Jones is the guy, then not much else really matters this season, at least in my opinion, because the quarterback is the most important position, and especially for a new regime coming in where they already know their backs are against the wall because of the recent history going on ever since Coffin moved. So, I don't expect them to do much this season because I just don't think Jones is it. I think he's already been, you know, run down. You know, I, I, I don't think there's, this is what his third, his third regime. There's no way. There's just where has this happened before where a quarterback succeeds after their third, third regime, you know, on the same team? And usually it's because of him. It's his fault that they're changing. I don't see it. So I don't see them winning more than five games this season.
0: Yeah, and I think when you just look at the other teams in this division, it, it's it's gonna be tough for them to make headway. But again, I like what they did. I like the direction they're headed. And yeah, when when they get that next QB in, um, that person will be all the better for it and be in a much better position than, unfortunately for Daniel Jones and, and than where Daniel was when when he got drafted to this team. Uh, moving along here to the Philadelphia Eagles um that's the next team in the nfc east we're going to cover uh so where did we leave off with the eagles in 2021 team went nine and eight made the playoffs they won four out of their last five to get in uh jalen hurts was not looking too sharp in that playoff game they had a lot of poor throws um when tampa really just forced him to win the game and, and it didn't happen i do put that a little bit on head coach Nick Sirianni, but he did make his mark on the team for better or for worse uh, with, with fun quotes and, and press conferences and rah-rah <laughs> moments among the team. You love to hear it. But, again, that the way that offense was built, it's a little chicken and egg. Did he build that offense because Hurts is so limited? Did Hurts look so limited because of the way the offense was built? TBD on that. We'll have to kind of see how this year goes. Um, also, Jonathan Gannon as DC – that left a little bit to be desired. Again, it's a much different roster for the defense this time around, so maybe he will look a little bit better. Um, so we'll just have to see how that goes. What did you think of the Eagles' season last year, whether it's Sirianni as the coach, Hurts as the QB, or overall
1: just how the team was? Um, you know, they had a good season. I think they uh, surprised uh, some people just because I don't think any expected to make the playoffs. Um, so that was a nice surprise. Obviously, you know, didn't work out very well when, once they got there. But I think the important part here is Hurts bought himself time, mm-hmm. which I think is important. Had they not made the playoffs last year, we could be having a very different discussion about who the Eagles' quarterback is, fair or unfair. You know, that's just how the league is. If you don't perform, you don't have a job for long. You know, I think they overperformed given, you know, everything. And I think that it gave them something to build on, which is cause for all the optimism heading into this season. Um, let's do our
0: our ins and outs in terms of free agency. So, not a lot happening here for the Eagles. Actually, gone edge uh, Ryan Kerrigan, linebacker Alex Singleton, corner Stephen Nelson, in linebacker safety hybrid Kaiser White, who we'll definitely talk about later. Uh, wide receivers Zach Pascal, obviously the AJ Brown trade. Uh, and cornerback James Bradbury, and edge Hassan Reddick. So, I mean, just looking at who came, who went out and who came in, obviously it looks like a pretty big net win for Philly. What did you mm-hmm. think about we'll, – we'll do the A.J. Brown trade next, but what did you think about just, like, the moves in general and specifically
1: the free agent ones? Um, like you said, it was a definitely a net positive. Um, they gained more than they lost. Um, Kaiser White. Um, you know, he can be that safety linebacker hybrid, you know, which is what this, the league seems to be trending towards, um, that being an important position on the defense. So it was important that they filled that role. They got an adequate person to fill that role. Um, so you have to be a little bit excited there. Zach Pascal, um, correct me if I'm wrong. He's a burner from Indy, I believe. Yeah. So speed is, you know, looking at the Kansas city model, you can't have too much speed at receiver. You know, they have Jalen Rager still. Um, they have Devontae Smith, and now they have Zach Pascal. That's speed to burn there. Um, uh, the James Bradbury acquisition, that obviously happened a couple of weeks ago. Love that, you know, not as a Commander fan because I wanted him, but, you know, you, you love it. Uh, especially, and the Hassan Redick trade. I mean, not trade, uh, uh, signing. I love Hassan Redick. You know, he hasn't always performed to, you know, his draft stock, um, you know, throughout his career, but I, I, I love Hassan Redick. I'm terrified of that defense now it's it, it, it they have so much to throw at you now, so I would be very happy if I was
0: an Eagles fan. You watched the Eagles last year, and aside from you know the whole hurts conversation, and again, I think we know where we're at with that. We'll just see what happens this year with him how he develops. But the biggest thing that they were missing, especially defensively. With speed and playmaking you watch and, and because that defense is such a bend don't break just sit back in zone kind of defense the way they run it you really want guys that are even though they're going to be back on their heels a lot as soon as that ball is thrown or that handoff is made they're sprinting into action and, and they're making something happen they're getting to the ball they're getting to the ball carrier and and they were very happy watching their games last year to really hang back and be like, okay, there's the ball. All right. Let me just go over there and I'll make sure. Okay. I tackled them. Great. They didn't get a first down and that's how their whole defense looked. And that's just crushing to watch play after play. Mm-hmm. Um, they immediately come in and, and bring playmakers on defense. So Kaiser white, I'm so excited about because that was a guy who under Brandon Staley last year really took off. He, he was playing, you know, Safety for the most part uh, in his first couple of years fully moved to more of a linebacker role, had 144 combined tackles last year, uh, which is twice the amount that he had in, in the previous year. So really just around the ball more um, flying around doing his thing. So hopefully that's what Philly's going to do. Hopefully they don't turn around and just make him a safety again. But I um, saw Reddick, a guy that has had double digit sacks the last two years. And doing it from the edge, the the Philly defensive line has been strong, but it's been up the middle. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, those guys. Now some help on the edge is going to be really good for them. Um, and James Bradbury kind of taking the place of Stephen Nelson, who was a solid number two corner from them last year, uh, is, is going to be good. And we're going to see, I think, this defense, even if their mentality is still bend, don't break, they're going to have more playmakers now to – make more plays do just that speed up the defense hopefully do a little bit more for them um let's talk about the aj brown trade a bit where are you on the whole here so i'll preface by saying this for me and wide receivers for the most part for 90 percent of circumstances i'm all for just draft the guy right just draft him use his rookie contract if he's a top five to top 10 guy an all pro level guy You know, you give them the big money. Otherwise, hey, Justin Jefferson is right around the corner. You know, um, there's a rookie, you know, Jamar Chase is around the corner. Whether it's a first-round pick, whether it's a second or third-round pick, there's a guy there. And and there's usually a couple guys there, especially now. But I did actually like the Eagles, who have swung and missed and and taken chances in the draft at receiver for the last few years. Obviously, Devonta Smith was a hit, but Jalen Rager, you mentioned not so much um i did like this move for them especially for aj brown who's still young it's kind of a catch 22 because he's been hurt so much he hasn't been on the field to take as much punishment so maybe in a world his body is actually in better shape than some other guys his age even though he is still pretty young what did you think of the trade for them how do you think he can kind of fit with the offense maybe help jalen hurts help devonta smith um how are you feeling about uh, aj brown and and just the trade the philosophy of hey because they essentially traded Shailon Burks, a rookie receiver, for, you know, A.J. Brown, a veteran receiver who they immediately turned around and paid big money to. What did
1: you think of that move? Um, they did what uh, what the Patriots should have done a long time ago. We can't draft receivers, so we're just going to trade for one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we don't have the ability to draft receivers. And, you know, Devontae Smith proved that wrong. But, you know, I feel like that's kind of, a, it's kind of cheating. That's a gimme almost. Yeah, you know, but yeah. like, it's like oh, it's always the later round receivers that they've mm-hmm. tried to get, and it just doesn't work out. So they were like, you know what, we like Trey Burks, but we're not sure. We also like Jalen reggers so you know, uh, or Sega Whiteside, right? There's something going on there where they just can't draft receivers. So they said we're we're gonna trade for our own here, um, and they gave him a huge deal. um Makes me mad being you know Commander fan Terry McLaurin. Thanks Eagles, thank you, appreciate it. Um, but you have to love the trade, mainly because it opens up the offense. A.J. Brown can do so much. He can be the dominant number one receiver that the Eagles have lacked for a long time. And you can say whatever you want about Alshon Jeffries. He was just never healthy enough to be an effective number one wide receiver for an extended period of time. So, I, and then it's hard to think back to when they had a number one receiver that was a big, strong guy, you know, that can just take over games. They haven't had it. And he has enough speed to get downfield. So this can be, and like I said, I mentioned earlier, they have speed to burn. You know, this can be a, a dangerous, you know, long ball offense. Obviously, Hertz needs to get them the ball, but I think they they did everything that you mentioned what they did with the Giants did for Daniel Jones. The Eagles are giving everything to Hertz to succeed. And this for better, like, you know, whether it's right or wrong, this is a make or break year for Hertz and, because they gave him so much. So now he just needs to prove it. And they they needed to do this trade. They just needed to.
0: All right, so with all that and
1: free agency,
0: so again, we're saying net positive for the offseason thus far, and we haven't even hit the draft yet. So let's hit the draft. Um, Only five picks for the Eagles. They they started the draft season with three first-round picks kind of in their holster. And shout-out Kevin Smith, my buddy, swore to me they weren't going to make three first-round picks. They barely made three picks in the entire weekend, so they ended up with five. We're going to hit the top three here. Jordan Davis uh, from Georgia defensive lineman, which I loved. Uh, Center Cam Juergens, uh, kind of the Kelsey, you know, you mentioned it earlier, kind of his waiting in the wings going to be their future center. N'Kobe Dean falls all the way to them uh, on day two, which was just insane. Uh, and Heartbreaking. and they, ended up, they ended up trading that pick for A.J. Brown. So so we'll we'll start with the – we'll just kind of go over these top three probably right now. Um, what went through your mind, I guess, first when they traded up right into that Jordan Davis spot at 13, I believe, before they
1: even made the pick, what did you think
0: they were going to do in that
1: moment? I didn't know. I didn't know if they were going to go – I honestly thought that they were going to go receiver. Mm-hmm. initially i was like mm-hmm. okay here's here's their big move try to get another receiver um and then they picked jordan davis and i'm like i didn't think of that you know in the moment i'm like oh crap well, i thought we, fletcher cox you know seemed to be you know towards the end of his career it's like okay we don't have to deal with him anymore and here comes jordan davis it's like ah crap man we just can't mm-hmm. catch a break
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so that i yeah. love that pick you know just from their perspective you have to love that pick you know especially pairing them can you imagine what they can, uh it's just it it, it yeah <laughs> um robertson just the, had a, a little bit of a meltdown just now yeah thinking about yeah. watching that for two games a season yeah it's not gonna be good um and then the cam jurgens pick you know we mentioned that uh you know the heir apparent to jason kelsey um you know, you love that pick. I actually liked uh, seeing the reaction because of a side note of Jason Kelsey watching his yep. replacement being uh-huh. drafted. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I love that. I'm like, wow, <laughs> what a guy. How many people would do that? Um, He probably didn't expect that, honestly. Or maybe he yeah. did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the Kobe Dean pick. I, uh, it it hurts. It really does. It hurts. Oh, um, no. Yeah, oh no. uh, yeah, no. it's the end, uh, folks. We're we're done. It's the end. <laughs> no, but like even before the draft, before we knew anything was wrong with the Kobe Dean, I wanted the Commanders to take him at eleven. I really did. I mean, I love I loved him at Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, part of that defense that was just so like suffocating, and obviously we needed a middle linebacker, and I'm like, this is the perfect guy, and it's not a reach at eleven which it wouldn't have been, even, you know, if anyone took him, if the Eagles took him at 13, no one would have questioned it. You know, obviously there was some, there's something wrong there. Health-wise. I forget what the, what the issue was, but third round is a steal. That's a steal of the draft.
0: Yeah. I mean, steal of the draft. I I think that's a very fair pick. Uh, I haven't looked back at the draft. I've been out of draft mind for for a little bit, but I think that's easily a good, a good call, especially because, we talked about they needed that speed on defense and that's what they got. And they got in the third round for Jordan Davis, when they moved up, I was with you. I thought receiver, I thought that was when they were going to take, take Traylon Burks, because we just had the run of receivers from 10 to 12. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had all these teams in between and you knew the Packers could use a receiver and the chiefs who still each had two first round picks at the time. And, you know, you just knew another receiver was going to go between 13 and 18 so yeah i just thought yeah go get Traylon burks and for similar reasons as aj brown yeah um you think okay devonta smith is our x receiver on the outside great route runner great hands okay rager yeah he's not that good but he's our z just straight line speed mm-hmm. go and then burks is going to be our underneath guy because they love those plays they love the screens they love the drags and, and they want those guys to just catch the ball and run long Why not have that be the 6'4", 250-pound guy that hunts boars with knives, right? Um, And now they're going to just do it with A.J. Brown instead, so that's great. But, yeah, that's where I was at, and then I was so happy they took him because as a Steeler fan, Jordan Davis, I just knew was going to be a Baltimore Raven, and I just knew it was going to be another Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 years Mm -hmm. of Helodi Nada just sitting there in the middle and not running up the middle against the Ravens anymore and i was for 5 minutes i was just elated
1: that he got picked and then they you know took Kyle hamilton with yeah him. kyle hamilton just as he I'm not depressed i'm not going to go as far as say jordan uh, uh, jordan reed jeez ed reed i'm not going to go as far as that but you know he's yeah. he's i really like kyle hamilton so yeah Let's get and as to the eagles far as draft
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm depressed
1: well this 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 is the eagles draft as far Perfect. as nikobe dean being undersized two words London Fletcher, mm-hmm. and I'm not, and I, I'm not saying that he's going to be London Fletcher, a Hall of Fame linebacker, but Washington fans are going to appreciate when I say that this is how good this guy can be. He's physical, he's fast, he can do everything. Put him anywhere, he's going to succeed. I truly believe that. Yeah, I and mean, Jonathan London Vilma Fletcher was 52. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Jonathan, there's there's been many undersized linebackers, totally, and totally. it's not like he's like a shrimp either. Right. He's 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 big enough so that he can yeah. take the punishment. So. So, yeah, un- I mean, undersized, I don't think it's going to be
0: anything to worry about. Jordan Davis, oversized, I think that's going to be incredible for them. I'm excited it's not happening in the AFC North. In the middle here, Cam Jurgens, I think, fully cements, you know, we didn't know what Landon Dickerson was going to be for them. That's a guy that played all five positions in college. When he was drafted last year, we were saying the same thing. That's going to be the Jason kelsey apparent. Uh Brandon Brooks gets hurt in, like, game one or two last year. Dickerson takes over. It's an immediate, like, stud at guard. Uh, and I think they were just like, hey. And Brooks re- ended up retiring at the end of the season. They knew they had Dickerson. They're just going to leave him there at guard. And, and, yeah, if they get Kelsey for another year or two, that's Cam Jergens. Um For having so few picks that they actually made, they really did make such an impact on their team. Again, for team need and level of talent. We're, we're talking – a guy that was rated before the draft as the best off ball linebacker in the draft. We're talking about a guy that was rated as the best interior defensive lineman of the draft. And then we're talking about a guy that maybe was what the second best center in the draft. And those were their top three picks. Add on top of that, you get AJ Brown, who's a top 10 receiver in the league. Really, really like what the Eagles did for themselves in the off season here. Um, Overall expectations uh, for for the Eagles here in in this upcoming season,
1: 21-22? Going back to the beginning of of the show here, I said that this was the biggest boom-bust division in football, Mm -hmm. and that's predicated on the Eagles mainly. It's some Washington and and Cowboys as well, but it's mainly predicated on the Eagles because it's really going to come down to how Jalen Hurts plays. And I feel like I say that about a lot of teams, it comes down to how the quarterback plays, but it's the most position, important position of football. If your quarterback is succeeding, your team most likely is not. If Hertz can take that step forward, then I believe this can be, easily be 11, 12, 15. If he does not, I think their floor is still high. I think they can win seven or eight games, even if he's not playing well. Um, I don't think this is the year he takes a step forward. And unfortunately, Eagle fans are going to get impatient, especially with next year's draft, where they can move up. I think next year is going to be the year I mentioned this in a video I did with Ben Parker um, you know earlier uh last week. I don't think this is the year Hertz takes the jump; I think it's next season, and I think it's going to be unfair for Hertz because I think he he's that developmental guy you know it takes it's going to take him a bit longer than than usual because I really liked him coming so He's gonna take he, the Eagles are gonna go as far as Hertz takes him. Um, it's gonna be unfair because, like I said, Eagle fans are gonna be impatient. They're gonna want to replace him immediately if they don't make the playoffs. Especially, I think they win nine games this year. You know, I I think that's a fair, a fair number to put them at.
0: Yeah, yeah. If if you're one of those people who, and again, I like I do. I think I am this. I can respect everything they did in the off season and also think that doesn't mean they're going to win three more games than they did last year. I think you are as good as your quarterback is. I think you can mask your quarterback to a certain degree. So I think it's going to be how far can this defense improve and how much can these skill players really change the offense. But if Hertz can just make the throws he needs and they now have a guy like AJ Brown, who can make the plays that they were trying to make last year, yeah, this team could get better. What's more likely that they're about the same. And and if too many other teams improve, you you miss the playoffs and, you know, you don't rattle off the four out of the last five and, you know, they had a great run game last year, but I think teams are going to be a little more prepared for that this year. So, you know, maybe that's not quite as strong. If you expect some regression in the run game, how are you gonna do in the past game to make up for it? What are you gonna do on defense to make up for it? Those are the things that are TBD. I think I'm with you. I think ultimately about the same as last year. But yeah, at at worst, seven games, you know, as a as a win total. But I do think they have a strong chance, like you said, to, to kind of boom if if Hertz really does make that leap, which I'm hoping he does. Um all right, let's move on. We're we're gonna get into it here in, in our last. Our last stop of the NFC East, we have the Washington Commanders. This is this the team you cover. I'm really excited to dive into this team with you. I think I've said it on this pod before, but I have a special place in my heart for Washington. I'm from the state of Virginia, so a lot of my closest friends and, and uh, are, are Washington fans. So I always want them to do so well, and it makes me so upset when they do Washington things. And and I'm a Washington sports fan in general, so it's the same. Across all of the all the leagues, all the sports, the same things happen. Um, where do we leave off with the commanders in twenty twenty one? So they went seven and ten. It was disappointing after the twenty twenty season that they had. Everyone was expecting a big leap. A little we expected that Cowboys regression to come this year. It really didn't. Um, they were very streaky, right? Two, three wins, two, three losses, two, three wins, two three, and it just never felt like everything kind of all came together at the same time. You're the expert. you were watching every game. You know everything that was happening. What were your takeaways from the last season, and why was it a, you know, quote-unquote disappointment?
1: Um, It was a disappointment because the defense was – and I don't even think it's close. The defense last year was by far the most disappointing unit in football. I mean, the the offseason talk was this can be a historically great defense with Chase Young, Montez Sweat. And the Bama boys up front, they had depth along the defensive line. You know, they added William Jackson III on the outside. This was going to be, you know, the year for this defense to cement themselves as a legitimate top-five defense, if not top-three defense. You know, Sweat and Young were going to set the sack record. All this noise, all all these expectations, which were valid expectations, by the way. Mm -hmm. They weren't outlandish because the defense had finished – second overall in 2020, and I think they finished, I think it was 27th overall in 2021. That's a steep drop. Now, the run defense wasn't bad, but the pass defense and third down defense and red zone defense was all garbage. It was garbage. So that was was the disappointing part. I don't think anyone necessarily expected much, even going into the season, from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, there was the whole oh late late career resurgence. he only gets better with age. he's like a fine wine. I didn't buy it. I wanted Heineken to start over him, and I don't wish any player injured. I never would, but when he got injured, I was kind of like, oh okay here, here's my boy now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and honestly, he played well for what we thought he was i don't if you told me or if you, if I asked you at the beginning of the, of the 2021 season, hey, Heineke is going to start 15 games. And I want you to place a bet that he's going to throw 20 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and win seven games. You'd be like, hell no, dude. That's not going to happen. Even after, like, the impressive playoff game, no one no one was going to think that. Right. So, in, Especially in by the way the
0: defense disappointed, because you would think – If Okay, if he's going to do that, it's going to be because the defense is like a top-five defense. He's going to get all these chances. He just has to be a game manager, and it
1: wasn't Mm -hmm. that at all. No, not at all. That's what makes it so disappointing because had the defense kept us in games, you know, the Saints game could have went totally different. The Chiefs game could have went totally different because we had the lead at the half, I believe, against Patrick Mahomes, and he was clearly having an off day. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the door's wide open, and the defense can't keep it shut. Like can't shut the door on. They just, you know, the defense and that happened so many times last season, where the defense couldn't get out of their own way, they couldn't get off the field, and that's what was the most disappointing part is. And as we're about to get to, it only gets worse because we lost so much, and we didn't bring in anything.
0: That's a beautiful transition. This is just A-plus podcasting right here. <laughs> this is amazing by you. Let's do our ins and outs of the free agency. So, again, we'll just we'll just hit on free agency right now. But gone are offensive lineman Eric Flowers and Brandon Sheriff, wide receivers DeAndre Carter and Adam Humphreys, linebacker John Bostic, tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, defensive lineman Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis. Uh Coming in, you have guards Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner and quarterback Carson Wentz. Um, that was a lot of outs and only a couple ins. Uh If I missed any significant ins, please feel free to fill them in. But I'm pretty sure that is, that is the case. You lose, you know, like nine or 10, either starters or heavy rotation guys. And you, and you bring those guys in. What did, let's start here. And I think I know what you're going to say based on now that I know you're a big Taylor Heineke guy, but what (laughs) did you think of the Wentz trade? And, and I mean, we don't have to suss out the whole thing all over again. We've done it every time he gets traded Mm. and everything and we did it when (laughs) he was traded but do you think this can be any different for him here in washington than it was in the indianapolis than it was in philadelphia if you do tell us why it'll work here uh and if you if you don't then yeah you just say nope we're getting the same Carson once but what did you what did you think of the move And, and maybe a little bit what did you think it signaled about the franchise that they they went ahead and made this move so
1: before I get into that, because I have a lot to say about that. Um, we did sign FA Obata. He was an international player. Um, he spent some time in Carolina and in Buffalo. He's a pretty nice rotational guy. I'm not expecting much, but he's you know still depth, which is something we lost a lot of defensive lines. So I think that should be noted. I don't yeah, know if it's good. going to be noteworthy, but it should be noted. Carson Wentz. Okay. Um, so initial reaction obviously was negative. Um, which I believe was rational and not even due to the reports surrounding the controversy in a locker room with him. It was mainly a business decision, and it was a bad business decision. The Colts, for all intents and purposes, were going to release Carson Wentz. And there has not been yet uh, a publicly named team that was that we were battling against the trade for. And we gave them a essentially if he plays 70% of the snaps, we gave them a second round pick and a third round pick. It could be uh, another third round pick uh, if he plays less, that second will turn into a third if he plays less or yeah, less than 70%. But um and we paid which just blows my mind. We played it, we paid the entire salary. The entire salary which was I believe like something like 80 some percent of the cap room we had Uh, we had like 38 coming in and then he took up 28 i don't know the math on that but you know that's a significant portion which caused all these cuts which caused us to be completely taken out of the brandon sheriff deal which i know he wasn't going to resign here anyway but it completely eliminated the option um we had to cut flowers who i loved eric flowers he Mm -hmm. played that, that's one of the bigger Pro Bowl snubs of last year was Eric Flowers didn't make the Pro Bowl. He was fantastic last season, something that did not go very noticed. Um, and we replaced, you know, the guards with two journeyman guys, essentially. And I'm not saying and- Andrew Norwell is an all-pro, but that was like four or five years ago. Yeah. He's in his 30s now. And, you know, he was had for one year or two years, six million for a reason. Um, And the same with Trey Turnery, one year, three million, I believe, or two year, five million. And he's a five-time pro bowler, had some great seasons. He's in his thirties. He's past his prime. He hasn't been to a pro bowl in a few years, you know, like, and they're, they're nice guards. They're nice pieces, but the Carson Wentz trade had so many impacts on this team to where we had to cut Landon Collins. He was a big part of the defense slush. He struggled at the beginning part because he was playing out of position. Jack Del Rio finally realized that halfway through and switched it, and he became a great player for us. He became a playmaker. Again. And we still haven't re-signed him because of the Carson Wednesday. Yeah, I missed we the Landon make... Collins. I didn't even say that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we, haven't made any, we didn't make any big signings because of the Carson Wednesday. Now, had Indy taken half of his contract, this would look a lot better. I and there would be one or two more pieces, maybe even three smaller players that you could fit under that 14 million. That maybe, maybe we don't cut flowers. Maybe we keep Ian and Maybe we keep Tim subtle. You know, it could be any of them, one of those things. It wasn't necessarily the trade that was the quarterback that we got is not bad. I'm not going to sit here and slander Carson Wentz. We could do that. We're not, I'm not going to. It's the ramifications of the deal that, you know, this is the all important third year that Ron Rivera has been hyping up. This is the big jump. And he pigeonholed the team into a, into a place that they couldn't get out of. Now, I think we have a promising team this year. And that's all, again, predicated on the play of Carson Wentz. But it could have been a lot better had you made a better business deal. And I think part of the reason they traded for him is because they probably didn't believe that they could have gotten him in free agency. They didn't believe in their ability to sign a, a big-name quarterback, which, you know, that's not necessarily Ron Rivera's fault. It's the organization's fault. That's Dan Snyder's fault. That's 30-some years or 20-some years of instability, turmoil, and all that. But that's something Ron Rivera has to deal with. And unfortunately he made that bad business decision because of it. It, it. it was a bad trade for the organization, not for the player per se. It was just a bad business decision. And it could prove to be great. If, you know, like I said, there's a boom and bust potential with this team. If we boom, then it doesn't matter. You know, if we win 11, 12 games, get to the playoffs first time, and it'll be first time in seven years. And, you know, It'll be justified probably at that point because it's essentially a one-year rental. The two years on his on his contract are voided um, at the at the back end. We can release him for nothing. So I don't mind the player. I just don't like the trade. It's a
0: lot to give up for a guy who costs that much and has had as big of Breakdowns as he's had in the last couple of years. The thing that worries me is that offensive line because you lose two guys like Brandon Sheriff and Eric Flowers, like you mentioned, and you bring in two guys who are on the wrong side of thirty and Norwell and Trey Turner. And yeah, you mentioned Norwell, still a decent player. Trey Turner had one of his best years in the last, I'd say, three years. Last year for Pittsburgh, but it was because he miraculously stayed healthy, right? When when mm-hmm. the Steelers signed him late in the off season. It was, okay, this guy is going to give you – be a good offensive lineman, but only for 12 games because he's going to get hurt the other five. Mm -hmm. He was healthy, and that was awesome. And he was you know, just a steady – I mean, he wasn't great. He doesn't move that much anymore, so he's not pulling like Steelers guards like to do. But he's steady. He's fine. He's a good communicator, good leader. He's tough, all those things, and that's nice. But when the drop-off is Brandon Sheriff to Trey Turner – That's not as nice, especially when on the other side, your drop off from Eric Flowers to Andrew Norwell is not going to be that nice. So it's just going to, you're putting once in a situation where you're expecting him to do what he did well in Indianapolis, but with far less of that support around him that he got from the Colts. Let's look at the draft. The the draft is going to be very interesting. I think it was your first week with Phantom Sports when uh, my draft grades came out. Um, uh-huh. And uh, I gave the Washington Commanders my the, the lowest grade of all of the grades I gave out, and I gave them an F. They were my only F. I think I had one D, and, and I think everybody else I was pretty nice to. I gave Washington a, a, an F, and it's not because of the players themselves. I like the players. I like Jahan Dotson. I like Finn Mathis. I like Brian Robinson. I was very impressed with Sam Howell in the fifth round. That's pretty cool. I think I think that guy could be starting before the season's over. Um, <laughs> Chris Paul is a guy who's a an interesting offensive lineman. One of those guys that you get in the seventh round that could have a ten year NFL career. I think. But here, that those are all the nice things I'm going to say.
1: Yeah.
0: Here's here's what I didn't like about the draft. You you look at this team, you look at everything that's gone wrong, you look at what they have put together over the last couple of years, and what has it been? They've made re- investment at skill positions and on the defensive line. They come into this draft with holes on their offensive line, at quarterback, so-so, Defensive backs. You mentioned linebacker earlier, um, and they're sitting there at the 11th. Ele- they have the 11th pick, and they could help themselves in so many ways. They could take Zion Johnson from Boston College. Kenyon Green was still on, on the board at that time at 11. So there are two guards you could have taken who would have been better than Norwell or Trey Turner from day one, probably. You have uh, you have Nakobe D, you have Devin Lloyd at linebacker, those guys would have been really nice on this team. You have Kyle Hamilton who yeah, uh was sitting there for the taken. Um which I was I would have been so excited for. But the thing that this team already had put together was defensive line, was wide receiver, was running back. You're shaking your head no. <laughs> And here and here's this. So here we're seeing, I think, the evidence of why maybe Jahan Dotson was the right pick. And it's because if Terry McLaurin does not want to be in Washington, that's an issue. If they have to franchise tag him for next year, if they don't aren't gonna have him around long term, I get that. This team has made the investment though at wide receiver. Curtis Samuel, uh Sims is still on this roster. Logan Thomas will see he might be done right. Injuries, I think, are kind of catching up to him, and he's over 30. The point He's trying to have, get ready for week one. He's trying to get ready for week one. It's not going to happen. Diami Brown, right, from UNC, third-round pick last year. This team has made the investments have wide receiver. They take a, they take a wide receiver, but not only – I think this was my biggest issue with it. So they take Jahan Dotson at 16. They trade back to take him. They could have stayed at 11 and taken one of the top three receivers in this draft there, right? I think that Galaxy braided themselves a little bit in thinking, we're going to move back and pick up some assets, which is nice, Or we're going to take the sixth best receiver in the first round at 16 instead of taking the best guard or the best linebacker or the best safety. And that's the part that just really, really threw me off and confused me, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, poor offensive line, so-so quarterback, but you drafted your number two wide receiver. How is that really going to help? Because sure, there's a world where this team, you know, makes the playoffs, wins nine or 10 games, all that's great. But by the time on this team's timeline that they're, you know, let's say all, you know, best case scenario, they're winning the division every year. They're trying to contend for a championship. John Dotson's going to be up for an extension himself. Are you going to pay him and Terry McLaurin? And then if you do that, then what's your other opportunity cost for everything else? Um, Then then you go into the second round, you take Fendarius Mathis. Again, I like Fendarius Mathis, but you have a strong defensive line. And especially in the middle, right? It's not the value of an edge rusher who's going to try to get you double-digit sacks a season. It's a guy on the inside. Again, I like him. I like him as a second-round pick. There's no problems there but you have a strong defensive line already. Again, there were linebackers on the board. Had you not taken a receiver, there were wide receivers on the board. There's some offensive linemen on the board. Then you go to the third round, and I know Antonio Gibson ha- has not really met what what NFL Twitter and, and football nerds, what and fantasy football feeds, right? What we want him to be. But you still have those investments at running back, and he's still going to get carries. And, and J.D. McKissick, I know he's actually... he's. Funnily enough, he's now listed as a wide receiver on everything. Uh, he's not a real running back, but he's taking his snaps out of the backfield. So, how many backfield snaps as a running back is Brian Robinson going to get this year? Versus using that third-round pick on again any of those other positions that this team needed. To me, this draft felt a lot like, hey, we have some, we're losing some trust with our fans. We're, we're losing some credibility, credibility, right? I say, you know, loosely, um, but we got a cool new receiver. That's fun. Look at us over here, shiny object. And that's, that's what it felt like. And again, that's with the context of everything going on with Washington this off season and last season and and even current new things popping up now, even after the draft. And it, as opposed to just saying, Hey, we're just going to take a safety and greatly improve our defense or we're just going to take a guard and you know maybe we won't win the Super Bowl because of him but man Carson Wentz is going to look a lot better with, with Zion Johnson up there versus Trey Turner and and that's where I was I was so upset and obviously the F grade sounds so bad compared to my tone right now if you really want to hear how fired up <laughs> I was about this go back to my draft reaction episode right. um because man I was on one for that but and again it's because I like these players right and I think that's going to be your main point the draft is about get good players get good players get good players there's only a 50% hit rate on good football players in the draft anyways and arguably those are three good football players and even some interesting stuff that happened in the back half of the draft I get that but when you're a team that has these mistakes and has these things happen so so much don't put yourself in a position where Terry McLaurin's holding out of camp so you draft a receiver in the first round. How about you just have Terry McLaurin, and, and he's your number one wide receiver for 10 years because you have a functioning franchise, and then go get your, your next guard. Or maybe you don't have the need for guard because you don't have to trade for Carson Wentz, so you don't have to cut Eric Flowers, and you're not a terrible franchise, so Brandon Sheriff, who's been an all-pro player, doesn't want to leave, so you don't even need a guard. So now you can get a linebacker, and you know, on and on the list goes. So yeah. the F mm-hmm. again is it more about the isn't so much about the players again. You can quibble with them because even again, I would have just stayed at eleven, and I'm going to do this in real time because I'm starting to get myself fired up again about it, and I know we're going to hit our uh, 40 minute timer, but yeah. we're going to come to you after the 40 minute yeah. timer because I'm just going right. to do this now. Right. I said I wasn't <laughs> getting fired up, but now I'm getting fired up about this. Let me go to round so the draft. At wide receiver at 11, they could have just had Chris Olave. <laughs> yeah. They could have had Jamison Williams, uh-huh. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then who they could have had Traylon Burks, who I had rated above Jahan Dotson. If mm-hmm. they had stayed at 11 and taken a receiver, I might have respected it more and said, hey, you know what? You were at 11. Jamison Williams is the best receiver in this draft. He is a top eight player on my board, something like that. Um, And you just couldn't pass up on that talent at 11. Now, Kyle Hamilton was like four or five on my board, so I still would have dinged him, but I get it. But trade back and lose the next three really good receivers and just take Jahan Dotson, you better be right on Jahan Dotson. And not just right, like he's good, but he better be better than all those other guys. Um, And that's where they really, really lost me with their draft. End rant. That's, that's me. Uh, Robertson, come back to me. Where where are you at on the draft of the Washington commanders this year?
1: So here's the thing, Simon, you have, you're going to have a lot of upset commander fans coming at you from all angles. It's because um, I love you guys. It's because I, I have love for you. So I'll take it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. They don't see it that way. Trust me. Um, <laughs> But here's the thing to all you uh people out there, commander fans, that think that Simon's just a hater, he hates the you know, the organization, he, you know, he's one of these, you know, media people that just can't stand him. He makes very valid points. Very valid points. Jahan Dotson is a we hope to be a very nice receiver. I would question you in terms of that that's not the move at 11 or 16. But the whole galaxy brain thing trading down to trading down five spots, picking up an extra fifth just to get the sixth best wide receiver. That's a very valid criticism. Not one I necessarily agree with. I believe it was a bit of a reach, but I don't think in the moment, it's hard to, you know, the value at in in the moment when someone gets drafted is very easy to analyze because of draft boards. You know, we're all hyped up on draft boards. You know, we know exactly where everybody should, shouldn't be going. Jahan Dotson was not supposed to be going at 16. However, if you make the right pick, it doesn't matter where you take them. And again, that could be bad business. That could be luck. I mean, it, it, you know, whatever you want to call it, but i I am the- belie- I'm of the belief that you know you don't necessarily draft for need, but need needs to be taken into consideration, and despite you saying you know we've invested already a lot in receiver, which we have, we never saw the the returns on it, and if you're not seeing the returns on it, then you need to keep trying until you do It's kind of like what the Eagles have been doing. You know, they keep trying receivers, trying receivers, trying receivers until something sticks. You know, so much so they just went and trade for AJ Brown. It's the same here. Yes, we have Terry McLaurin, but no, you can't take it for granted that he's going to re-sign here. Who wants to re-sign here? If we're being completely honest, Washington fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Who wants to mm-hmm. re sign here? I mean, especially a receiver with what quarterback? It's Carson Wentz this year. Who is it next year? It's very possible that he's not the quarterback next year. So you need to, leading up to the draft, especially local media, and you know all the hype, like two, three weeks leading up, it, it was three players. It was, well, really it was four or five, but it was mainly three players. It was Drake London, it was Kyle Hamilton, or like, you know, the other receivers like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, you know, Jahan Dotson was never mentioned, which is fine because he was supposed to go later. That's fine. At 11, he's not supposed to be mentioned there. So, really, the two guys were Drake London and Kyle Hamilton. And when Drake London went at 8, you know, a lot of hearts broke, you know, um, and then Kyle Hamilton was there. was like, okay, we got Kyle Hamilton. I'm like, I'm okay with that. I really like Kyle Hamilton. I just especially with Landon Collins still on the roster. And I don't know if they, I don't, I I don't know the timeline and if he was already released or if he wasn't, I think he was, but I think they anticipated him coming back, which he still hasn't yet. So that, that theory doesn't really hold up much, but I think they had a feeling that he was going to come back or at least they were going to attempt to. So why draft his replacement? If you can get him for a cheaper deal, for a guy that already knows the, the defense and has proven he to be effective. That was my thought on Kyle Hamilton. I liked him. I wanted him. It wouldn't have been a bad choice at all. But I feel like they felt that they could get Landon Collins back and they couldn't justify a lower price tag for Landon Collins replacing that with Kyle Hamilton, which in essence isn't a need. So that's that rationale there. As far as offensive line goes, or linebacker, or whatever else, this is a new team. This is practically a brand new team. You cannot take an offensive lineman at 11, or 16 for that matter. And whether that's right or wrong, which is wrong in my opinion, you can't make a business decision with your first pick strictly business. But they wanted a shiny t- new toy, as they said. As you said, they wanted, you know, something to sell jerseys. You know, that's just is what it is. It was going to be a skill position player. It was going to be a corner that could turn into a superstar because, you know, you can sell jerseys for corners. It was going to be a receiver or they were just going to trade out. They weren't going to take a quarterback, especially with one. I don't I just don't think they were going to do that. So it's going to be a receiver and I was fine with that because Curtis Samuel hasn't stayed healthy. We don't know the future of Terry McLaurin. We hope he stays. I think it's likely he stays. I don't think it's for sure at all. And, you know, McLaurin hasn't always stayed healthy. He's missed a couple games here and there. Curtis Samuel obviously can't stay healthy. So who's the number one after that? It, injuries happen. It's football. So Cam Sims is the number one receiver now. I love Cam Sims, but, He's not a number one receiver. So, and Carson Wentz needs weapons. This is a weapons league now. So I don't mind them going receiver. And I like Jahan Dotson. I think he has, I think he has a lot of. I don't want to make Apples and Apples comparison, but he has Deshaun Jackson-like tendencies. He he's that kind of playmaker. He even has, as Washington fans will appreciate, he has Santana Moss capabilities. He's not as thick. As Santana Moss was, but he has, he has that same type of play style and that playmaking ability, and he can care. I believe he is a game changer at the position. He can break open games just like Santana Moss could, just like Deshaun Jackson could. Maybe not to the same extent, but he's he's that kind of guy. So I agree with the thought process behind. We need to add weapons. For Carson Wentz, because you know we're all in, we're gonna give him everything he can he can do to succeed. The Fedarian Mathis pick, the next defensive lineman, I don't believe was taken until later in the third round. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I believe that's the case. You're right. I'm pulling it up now. Due pulling to due to the Carson Wentz trade, we had to release. Matt Ioannidis, and we couldn't re-sign Tim Settle. I believe Tim Settle was already on the way out, but that definitely slammed the door on him. We needed depth along the off on the defensive line. What was now what was before a strength is now not a strength anymore because we don't know what's going on with Deron Payne. He's been sitting out team activities. He's there for he's showing up, but he hasn't been there for team activities. I don't know what the minicamp situation is. It just started today. Um, I don't know if he was participating or not um so that's a question are we going to trade them i hope not but it's a possibility so they're drafting for future and also for this year so you have to take into account that we could lose deron Payne. we already lost these other two guys we need to replenish that and like i said i don't believe the next defensive lineman was taken until much later so around middle of the round and it was travis jones when he went to baltimore which was before right. the washington commander's next pick right so i agree with the thought process there the Brian Robinson situation. I don't know what they're doing at running back. That's a bit of a harder sell to me, especially when you had quarterbacks sitting on the board though. Now we all can debate the quarterback situation and the class and where people should have gone. But the fact of the matter is, I believe Matt Corral went right before we picked, I think. And there was still Sam Howell on the board, or maybe it was Malik Willis. But I believe there was a couple quarterbacks that we could have taken. And I wanted to go that direction, but I understood why we wouldn't. Now, I was thinking defensive back or linebacker. That would have been a much better pick because our line, we haven't done anything a linebacker yet. We haven't even signed a, a, a veteran of any sort. So I really don't know what's going on there. They must really, really believe in Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis, which they should, because Jamin Davis is a first-round pick, and Cole Holcomb, I believe, can be a very good player in this league. But that's not – what if it doesn't work? You know, like, there's no reason to believe that Jamin Davis can be a good outside linebacker in this league, because he wasn't a good inside linebacker. And granted, he was a very raw rookie, but you can't bank on And Cole Holcomb, he hasn't really grown into the Mike linebacker position yet. So at the very least, you need a veteran presence there. What you know they should have done was drafted a guy in the top three rounds, which they didn't do. Getting back to the running back position, I think they're losing trust in Antonio Gibson because of the fumbling. I, I like Antonio Gibson. I do. He can, he's a 1,000-yard rusher. We haven't had one of those since Alfred Morris left. It's hard to justify benching him for a, for a third-round rookie. I don't think they're going to be benching him, but having a guy that touches the ball on offense at most, I'm imagining loses rookie year on average going to be nine times a game, nine, ten times a game at most because you have J.D. McKissick, and I even think that's a generous number at that, for a third-round pick is hard to justify. But if he can take over games and play, like, a a Garrett Blunt type of role where, you know, I, I don't know if they're exact comparisons, but, like, just a guy that you can throw out there and just wear down defenses and where they can grind out the tough yards, maybe make a big play, and a guy you can use at the goal line, then that's an important player, and maybe down the road you can justify it. This year, I don't think you can. So I think they're kind of playing the long game with that, not anticipating re-signing Antonio Gibson. I think the writing's on the wall there that he's pretty much done after his rookie contract's up because of the selection. But, you know, we'll see. Um, so I understand why you gave them an F grade. I don't necessarily agree with them. I would lean more towards C minus D plus just because the thought process is while you can justify them, they probably weren't great. Um, but I love the Sam Howell pick, I like the Cole Turner pick. Um, yep. I agree with your Chris Paul, um, you know, analysis there. I think he can be maybe not a starter, but he's definitely going to have, I think, a long career in this league. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I'm getting more optimistic about the draft as we get further away from the draft, you know, and it's not, it's not necessarily the reports coming out of OTAs or minicamp camp or anything like that. It's really just, okay, I see what we're doing. I see why they're doing it. I don't agree with it in the moment, but I'm starting to come around to it. You know, they didn't get great value pretty much anywhere except for the Sam pick. Who I'm very excited for. I really love Sam Howell. I thought he was third or fourth best quarterback in this draft. Um, You know, I don't think he's going to be starting. If he does, we're in trouble. We're in some serious trouble if he is. And that's nothing against him, it's just things crashed if he's starting. Um, But I, this time always tells. You need two or three seasons to tell a good draft. But I see why you gave them F grade. I disagree with it. But, um, you know, I'll defend these players just because of, you know, the impact that they can have on this team, especially Jahan Dotson. I think that he can take this offense to a place it hasn't been in a long time. I really really believe that. Along with Terry McLaurin, if he plays, I'm hoping he plays. (laughs) God, I'm praying he plays. Um, And Curtis Samuel. This is a weapons league. you can't have too many of them. I love the move i uh, you know I, I he's a great guy too. you know you listen to him in interviews he's a great guy he's gonna be a leader he's gonna be a Terry mclaurin type so i i love i love the dotson pick as far as that goes the person the player you know so like i said overall great. I'll give it a c minus i in terms of the players
0: and in terms of what they can bring to the team on the field once the field and the games start i agree and i think for me and my in the draft grades so much of the draft is how and how i grade the draft is how you operate the team and how that informs your decisions to come draft time now when when the the season starts and we're six games in. There's a world where Dotson is wide receiver one. Finn Mathis is rotating in and making splash plays, and and it Durham Payne doesn't get a new deal done this summer, so you know he's gone. So you're like, oh, we got Finn Mathis in the wings. There's a world where Brian Robinsons are starting running back by week six, you know, because yeah, J.D. McKissick is not. He's not a runner, right? So he's always going to be that change of pace, receiving back. And Gibson, yeah, six fumbles last year could he could lose, you know, he could end his career unfortunately before it even really got started. And we're saying that about, like you said, a thousand yard runner, which is crazy. But those are world, those three guys are making major impacts on the team. And and when you just flip on the game and whether whether you're in it like we are or you're just a casual fan and you just flip it on and you see three rookies all playing well you're like wow that was a really good draft look at that but we were the same the same thing in in 2019 for washington right you know scary terry montez sweat um cole holcomb jimmy jimmy morland people's corner right like people's corner heck yeah it was a good rookie class that year too and now look at, at where they're at so you know it's it's one thing to say oh this was a nice draft class it's another to say did we have a good draft that's going to move us from this you know either this mediocrity pool that we're in or just kind of the rinse recycle repeat kind of world we're in and and up into that next step where we're keeping three to four to five players from each draft class that are good impactful players and, and making us a better team that's what I'm grading off of that's what I'm paying attention to and so there I mean there's just there's so many options that were not only good players that when we turn the games on on Sundays we're going to say it's a good player but it's also things that could add to this team and not just thinking about positional need where it's oh we don't have a linebacker but it's hey let's take care of Terry McLaurin and let's get him the contract he wants and let's put a for not just this offseason but these last four years these last three years have a team he wants to stay on. Brandon Chair, let's make this place he wants to not only spend nine years but wants to retire. And, and this, these draft grades were definitely a culmination of just if you had fixed all the things that you could have fixed in these last few times, or addressed some other things that the linebackers, the safeties, the offensive line, whatever. There, there's just there's a lot left on the table. All that said, though, you know we we had a lot there with with Washington what are your expectations Uh, at the end of the day what do you think is going to happen for them this year
1: so again going back to the whole boom bust thing I think of the Cowboys Eagles and Commanders I think we have the lowest floor but I also think we have the highest upside of the three okay and it's because The pieces that we have have already done it. They've already succeeded in the sense that the defense has already been the core, at its core. The defense has already been second overall in the league. And we were also fifth in points, and that was in 2020. Carson Wentz has already been an MVP candidate. He's taken teams to the playoffs. He's had effective seasons. Antonio Gibson has been a 1,000-yard rusher that we have pieces, right? It's just about putting it all together. Conversely, we've seen Carson Wentz be absolute crap. We've also seen the defense just recently as last season, be, I think it was the 25th, 27th overall, something like that. So I think the floor is six games, and I think the, the height of it is 12 or 13 games. Because just say, for argument's sake, that the defense returns to a top five defense and Carson Wentz is playing even 80% of what the MVP level, his MVP season was, which I think is something similar to last year, a little bit better than last year, but something similar to that. This team, I mean, we don't have a hard schedule. We really don't. This team can just shock everybody. Like I said, we have weapons out the unit. What? We have Terry McLaurin. We have Curtis Samuel. We have Logan Thomas. We have Jahan Dotson. We have Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick. I love the guy, new guy, Cole Turner. That's eight guys right there that are legitimate weapons. If they can all stay healthy and if they're all playing, not because of contract situations, I'm not as worried about the offensive line because I think they're going to be fine. I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they're going to be fine. I don't think they're going to be a liability and then there's the defense, which hasn't on paper gotten any better, but they I think they have the ability to return to a form of 2020. That being said, you put all that together, that's easily 12-13 wins, especially with our schedule. So but then like I said, conversely, Carson Wentz could fall apart, the defense could fall apart. There's just too many questions with this team. There's too many. So I, I'll i say what I said in in the video that me and Ben did with the NFC East. I think this team wins nine games. I think that it's a toss-up between us and the Eagles for one of the wild card spots. And I don't know which one it's going to be. I said in that video for arguments for, like, fandom's sake, that'll be Washington. I really don't know. I I, I just don't. I don't think any of us do like, you know, it's going to come down to division record. It's going to come down head to head matchups, conference record, the whole thing. I think it's a nine win team just because I don't see the defense returning to top five, top 15, maybe, but that'll win you nine games. It also lose you eight games along with an up and down Carson Wentz, which I think that's where we're headed for that's 9 games. That's a respectable season. Nothing flashy, nothing fancy. Just continued mediocrity just on the right side of it. And we'll see how that turns out. I if we if we make the playoffs, that'll be twice in 3 years. That's a win for, <laughs> you know, for this for this coaching staff, for the organization because that's how bad it is. That's just how bad things are right now. So even if we don't win anything, which I couldn't imagine we would, if that's if those are the you know those are the, is it, if that's the case when we get there, I can't imagine we win anything. But I think that's more than optimistic. I think that's more than fair as far as like you know what could realistically happen. So. I don't know what to expect this season. I really don't, but I feel like that's a fair assessment on the optimistic side of things. So, real somber ending here to the podcast. This is what happens. I bring you NFC <laughs> East
0: people on. I bring I bring my my Eagles people on. They're sad at the end. Just ah, oh, it's depressing. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I hate that. To... <laughs> I, I Robertson. I I owe you. I don't know, man. Something for ending your night this way. I feel bad. I, I feel like I should send
1: someone to check on you, but um.
0: <laughs> Thank just you so send much, me man. a Super I mean, Bowl.
1: Just send me a soup Just send a we haven't been there in 30 years. Man. I mean, <laughs> I haven't been alive since we we've won one playoff game since I've been alive. Yeah, that's tough. I'm that's 23 tough. years old. I mean, my God. <laughs> and to think
0: if only you had drafted Kyle Hamilton, that might have all gone away for you.
1: Oh uh, don't, don't even. Don't even. You, you will you will get people that agree with you. I'm not kidding.
0: I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Robertson, tell us where we can find your
1: stuff. Tell us where we can see here and read you. Uh, you can read my articles at fansportsindustries.com. I write for the commanders or about the commanders and uh you know some other stuff. Um we'll be getting into fantasy stuff here soon. Hope to be getting into that. Um YouTube channel, um, you know, there's Ben's channel, Sports and Money. Um, and there's phantoms uh phantom sports uh youtube channel subscribe both those places keep up with the videos not just you know ben stuff but simon stuff is fantastic other people's stuff is fantastic coming out with new shows and all that you know go check it out it's great stuff yeah man the phantom
0: is going to be buzzing this football season everybody i hope you're i hope you're aboard it's going to be good times (laughs) thank you so much man we're going to do this again at some point uh and you know just go go
1: play madden tonight and, and make washington really good it'll cheer you up i promise that, that's what i did when i was a kid at 99 overall <laughs> just edit all of them 99 overall man. <laughs> we all did it come on it's not uh,
0: just- you're absolutely right you're absolutely right well thank you so much for being here everybody thank you so much for listening we really appreciate you being here uh this has been the Simon a podcast you can please follow subscribe stars all that good stuff on Apple and Spotify. I appreciate y'all being back here now that we're back and ramping up for the football season. So everyone stay safe and enjoy. Thank you.